you know, it's amazing how, I mean, the Lord is the Lord, and, you know, he's got a body, and he's speaking to his body. Um, that scripture that she just read, I'm going to preach out of next Sunday. That's pretty interesting. Second thing is, um, is that yep, Psalm 95. The second interesting thing is that uh, the the there's a, a group of prophetically gifted ladies that are now interceding Sunday mornings before church. And um, Patty, as she finished praying for me up here, she whispered in my ear that the Lord had them praying that we, you know, would have ears to hear. And I put in, I didn't go get the scripture. I looked at, you know, I saw all of the scriptures, but... In here I have Jesus multiple times said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, you know, when you hear the voice of God confirming itself, it's really, really um, edifying. It's, um, it's comforting to know that we've caught the wind of the Holy Spirit and that these messages, these, these things that he's speaking to us, and trust me, he's speaking through me, but he is speaking to me. My whole week long is I'm just, I'm just so trying to understand anything at all that would cause me to be defiled, to uh, be less than absolutely useful for the Lord, for um, places where I'm not walking as a true disciple. Um, anyway, so that's just so edifying, so encouraging to me. And, and let me just start with this. For I don't even know how long it's been, so many weeks, weeks and weeks, we've been speaking about holiness and then what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus and um, I don't have visibility, like I don't live with you guys, you know. So I don't have good, intimate visibility into your lives. But I, I just keep having this sense, and I believe it's the Lord, that there's a spirit of dullness. That's, that's, I think it's on the Western church for sure. I mean, you know, the big church in the West. But I think it's in here as well. Because nobody is coming to me and they're like, you got to be kidding me. You know, how in the world, what do we, you know, you're challenging me too hard. It's like there's, there's, a, there's a dullness that's not receiving. And I forget, maybe it was you guys I was talking to, but a thought came to my head. It's like if you had a, a lotion and you rubbed it on your skin, you know, it's to help your skin, but it, your skin will absorb it. It'll go down in there to, to do any good. But it's like the lotion is just... And I'm, I'm painting all of this with a very broad brush. So, you know, in, in different places, it might be just getting in and it's just really doing its work. Other places, it might just be blowing by. But it's, it, in, in, to some extent, it's like the lotion's not getting in there to be able to do its work. So be conscious of this. Um, I don't consider myself to be anybody special, but I have for, I don't know what, 16 years daily spent hours with the Lord in his word, in prayer, and he's shown me things that I don't think I could see if I wasn't invested like that. That those things, if I don't confront them, I'm going to be diminished in my usefulness for the Lord. I'm going to be diminished in my ability to have intimacy with the Lord, and I'm so grateful for it. But if we're not doing that, then the other mechanism is one another, we have to, you have to, whoever you're intimate with, you've got to have your eyes open, your ears open, and then in love, we've got to be talking to each other about stuff. Right, Steve? Yeah, yeah we had a fun conversation this morning. I, I, if I can fit it in here, I'll share it with you. He gave me permission, right? Somebody call him. <laughs> That's a joke. You'll, 
get that in a second. So anyway, I just want to tell you, it's not a criticism. It's biblical. I think that there's a, a, like, a, like a dullness that's like, man, you know, I wonder who he's talking to. It's like the Lord is talking to all of us. All right, so let's start with Hebrews chapter 5, uh, verses 11 through 13. Concerning him, and him in this case is not Jesus. It's, it's actually Melchizedek. It's, there's a context to all this, but I want you to hear about the dull of hearing. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now, in, in Hebrews, he says words like brethren or she. I don't know who wrote Hebrews. Nobody's for sure who wrote Hebrews. But we know that the writer of Hebrews is speaking to Christians, speaking to the church, all right? Uh, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. So, so that back part is important. Like, you know, we should be progressing. Everybody should be progressing. But the concern today with regard to the preaching on holiness and the, and the discussion around what it means truly to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is that we got to be careful that we don't become dull of hearing. In Hebrews, again, chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, and, and this is the meat of, of what the Lord has been showing me all week long. It's, it's, the, it's the surface of it, not the meat of it. Next week, I'm going to really expand big on this. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end, while it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. So it's interesting to me, he's concerned with people falling away from the living God. He says that it can be because of the hardening that comes to our hearts by the deceitfulness of sin or the deceitfulness of the world, of, of the other things that would draw us away from the Lord, that our hearts can become hard such that we don't um, even recognize that we've gone in that direction. It, it speaks of us becoming partakers of Christ. Now remember, in Hebrews you see this, but all through the New Testament you see it, that the day that you got saved, when the Holy Spirit took up residence inside of you, which is the seal, the earnest deposit that God put on you, it, it is your day of salvation. You are saved, but salvation isn't ultimately accomplished until you pass from this life into the next. And that's what that last part is speaking of. He says, we have become partakers of Christ ultimately if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. So we don't drift away, we don't become hardened. That's what he's trying to say. The other thing that I wanted to mention from this is, he says, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is called today. If you go back into Psalm 95, you'll see similar words, as long as it is called today. If you study what that means, today in this context means as long as there's still an opportunity, as long as there's still a chance. As long as you still have today, because if, if today ends and there's no today tomorrow, now you're standing before the Lord and there's no opportunity anymore 
to deal with whatever it is that might be that kind of a problem. So as he's saying to us, encourage each other day after day, every day. And think about the early church, right? You see in the book of Acts, and every day they got together, and they shared meals together, and they sat at the apostles' feet and listened to their teaching, and, and they were very, very much tightly united. And he's saying that every single day we have to be encouraging one another to be careful that we don't become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So if, if, if the body of Christ only ever congregates once a week, you know, Sunday mornings, but they're not fellowshipping in other ways, who's going to know if your heart is hardened, you know? So maybe I will tell the story real quick. It might be a little bit long. So yesterday we went to help the whites. They moved, you know, they got a beautiful new house over here. Um, just a, such a blessing. It's just a really nice place. And so we loaded up the truck. We drove it over there and we unloaded the truck. And every time Steve's phone would ring, I would hear Led Zeppelin. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I, you know, I don't know that much about Led Zeppelin, but it doesn't feel like the kingdom to me so much. It feels like the world, right? And Jesus says, you know, if you fellowship with the world, then you're my enemy. Or God says, you're my enemy. So this morning, it keeps bugging me, it keeps bugging me. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be the, the, the ringtone police guy, you know. <laughs> but it's bugging me. So I Google top 10 Led Zeppelin songs, right? I get a list of them. I never was a heavy metal guy, so... I don't really know too much about Led Zeppelin. So I start to, to take the songs in the list, a few of them, and I Google what are the lyrics. And I, the few I Googled, I couldn't make sense out of what the message was anyway. But I'm pretty sure the spirit that behind it was not the Holy Spirit. If there's, and, and music is powerful. So, you know, it's like quarter after six in the morning. I want to call Steve, but it's quarter after six in the morning. And, you know, he just moved and he's got seven kids. And I'm thinking I better wait a little while. So, you know, maybe 20 to eight, I call, I text him. I hope this doesn't wake you up, but if it did, are you awake? You know, he's like, well, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm here. So he calls me and I'm like, listen, I'm, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the ring, ringtone cop. But at the end of the conversation, he said, well, it looks like I need to get a new ringtone. Not because I said, you know, you got to get a new ringtone, but I think there was some conviction in there. But here's the thing. Steve White, you know, if we had a bell curve of, you know, who reads the Bible, who studies the Bible, who's, you know, probably more or less doctrinally, you know, strong, Steve would be up near the top of that bell curve. I've been talking about, you know, um, come out from among them, don't touch what is unclean. Cleanse yourself of all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. I mean, just been pounding on that drum, pounding on that drum. And, and if, in fact, he is being defiled because Led Zeppelin isn't, you know, it's not a good spirit, it blew right by him. And he's not a lightweight guy. So I ask myself, I wonder if, if nobody's watching me, what's blowing right by me? Because there are places that Steve is probably so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that you couldn't get, you could not get defilement in there with a bazooka. But there might be some places where his heart's gotten a little calloused. I think that's probably true for everybody. I, I know, you know, the Lord can show me stuff. He tried to show me stuff. For a year it took me before I actually humbled myself and repented for what he's been showing me on a regular basis. Somebody else might have had a chance to see that if, if I was a little bit, you know, and I'm pretty much a pretty open guy, but you know what I'm saying? So when he says encourage one another daily, as long as there's still a today, 
It's not the only place we see that in the scriptures. It's important that we do it. It's important that we do it. We do it in love. We do it, you know, and the scripture says, being careful that you might not fall in the same way, all that kind of stuff. But the church is not going to shine unless the church shines. And, and, and no individual member has everything. Be bold. Like, you know, wait till at least 7.40 in the morning before you call Steve. But don't be afraid. And if somebody comes to you, I really, Steve, honestly, I appreciate how you received, because that's not an easy conversation to have with somebody, right? And he was very humble. He laughed a lot. But, you know, he, he's really, he was very humble, and he listened to me. And I'm not trying to be anybody but what the Scripture says to help each other to be, right? Hebrews chapter 4, 11 through 13. This is, I'm going to tell you something that was very interesting. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest. Now, contextually, from the Old Testament, where this is kind of copied from, talking about going into the promised land, right? But, but in the New Testament, it's eternal rest. So be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same examples of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So this this week, I, I, I'll tell you this more next week. I won't belabor it. I got to the place in Hebrews, not this particular place, but another place, and I, I was like, man, it, it was making an interesting connection between two words. So I, I tried to do a little study in the, of what the Greek behind them meant, you know, the words, and the... the uh, First one was unbelief, and, and if you looked at it, it pretty much meant unbelief. But the second one was this word disobedience. Okay, hear me now. This is important. Disobedience, the, the Greek word for disobedience is the original root of, of a very interesting English word. The English word is apathy. The Greek word is apatheia. It has different forms, apatheis or thos or theia, different ways. But it's the word that, that is the original root for our word, apathy. So, so if, you, if you do a word study on that word in the New Testament, you'll find that almost always apatheia is translated to some form of disobedience. Do not obey, disobedient, disobedience. And if we have... If we're struggling with a stupor or a, a fogginess, right, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. If, if our heart is not right, the word of God will show it. It'll cut it clean. But if we're not in a place where we're sensitive to see it, we can become apathetic. And apathy bears out as disobedience. So, man, I hope I do this better next week. Um, thank you. Okay, it's a thoughtful thing, right? I told Daniel Palmer this yesterday, and he said, wow. Maybe you guys could just throw me a bone. Ready? One. Wow. Now I feel like I got something done. All right. Right, right. So, so I mean, disobedience towards God is bad, right? It, it, it denies his lordship over our lives, which is part of our confession of faith unto salvation. But when you see it in terms of apathy, man, it has a really powerful application to the church in general, and being disciples. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. 
but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So we might not see it, but the Lord sees it. I might not see it, but the Lord sees it, but you might see it. And then tenderly, you should come to me and show me so that I can get it out of my life because I don't want to be in any way, shape, or form hard-hearted towards the Lord or towards being Jesus' disciple. So all that said, now here I'm at the place where what Patty whispered in my ear, which was already in my notes, multiple times in the Gospels, Jesus says again and again and again, to him who has, or her, ears to hear, let them hear. So whenever we're reading the scriptures, it will cut to the chase. It will cut clean between truth and error, right and wrong, right? But if we won't have ears to hear, it's not going to matter what the scriptures are saying. If we're going to be dull or hard-hearted or calloused, if we're, if we're going to say, well, you know, I appreciate that, but it's like go to the scriptures and let that cut to the chase of everything that would be true or false. Amen? Because it's laid bare before the Lord. He sees it all. Ultimately, every person's going to give an account. It's what it says right there in that scripture. To whom we give an account, we are, we are beholding to God. He sees it all. The Holy Spirit wants us to repent from anything that's not how we're supposed to be, but sometimes we don't choose to listen. So we have to humble ourselves and listen to what the Word of God is saying, no matter how it confronts our fleshly desires of our lifestyle. Okay, and then kind of there's a big course of Scripture here that I'll use to, to show Jesus making a similar point as he's out doing his ministry. It's from... Uh, John chapter 6, ultimately starting in 48, finishing in 69, but I'll cut a little piece out the center there. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I, Jesus, am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So he's making this comparison, this contrast between their forefathers who wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years and God fed them supernaturally this stuff called manna. If I'm not mistaken, I think if you take manna, it's just a Hebrew word. They just put the Hebrew word up there. The translation means, what is this? Is that right? What is it? It's like, what is it? I don't know, but I think we're supposed to eat it. All right. Oh, it's not bad. I think I'll save some for tomorrow. Not unless it's Saturday because it would rot. He wanted them to depend on him every single day. So today's manna is for today. You trust God tomorrow for tomorrow's manna unless it's the Sabbath, in which case you can collect two days worth and the next days won't rot because God doesn't want you to be collecting manna on the Sabbath. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. You eat my flesh and you drink my blood. The important thing is God provided manna to the forefathers in the wilderness, right? And they didn't die. Why? Because they didn't starve to death. Why? Because they ate the manna. The same is true of the flesh and the blood of King Jesus. It's one thing to know about it. It's another thing to actually eat it. If we don't actually eat it, it provides nothing that will bring us life, just like the manna had to be eaten in the wilderness. Okay, verse 52. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life, no life in yourselves. 
He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. So unless that we eat and drink, we have no life in ourselves. Now, sometimes people mistakenly try to interpret these scriptures as communion. So if you don't take communion, a little wafer, a little bit of juice, it's not what it means. Um, Jesus says, if my words abide in you, if I'm trying to think what he says, if, if my words abide in you, and if you, you'll be my disciples. Oh, my goodness. Somebody look that scripture up for me. I think it's like John 8. My words abide in you. Then you're truly my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and you'll, the truth will make you see. Thank you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you are truly my disciples. Well, if, if his words abide in us, it means that, that, that we're, we're following them. We're consuming his words, and they're the nourishment that drives our lives. That, that's what he's trying to say. Um, you can't just sit at the table and not dine. And what you eat makes a difference about who you are, right? So next Saturday, donuts are okay because when you're doing work at the church, they, they do some kind of transformation into like, I don't know, <laughs> celery, I think. They become, they become like celery. But generally, if that all you ate was donuts, you would manifest a donut life, right? I mean, you would have no energy. You would, you would be, you know, whatever. But if you eat food that, that can nourish you and strengthen you and, and uh, energize your body, your body will respond properly. The same is true. You can have that Bible sitting on your coffee table, but if you don't consume the flesh and the blood of the Lord Jesus, if you don't eat it, then it will have no effect on you. The donut is the world, right? I hate the world. I hate the world. The donut is the world. I hate the world. I love the donut. I hate the donut. Sorry. Okay. Verse 59. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, his disciples, many of his, remember he says, don't, earlier he said, don't, don't be, allow yourself to fall away from the living God. Encourage another day by day by day, as long as it's day. He called these guys disciples. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? See, they're difficult words, and our flesh doesn't want to eat his flesh. Our flesh wants to eat the donut. Our flesh doesn't want to eat Jesus' flesh. It wants to eat the world. It wants to consume the world. The gospel itself is offensive. It's difficult, right? When you, when you go to somebody who considers themselves, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or hell? Well, I'd go to heaven. Why? I'm a, I'm a good person. Good compared to what? Well, better than other people. Therefore, you know, I'm on the 51% plus that gets to go to heaven. You could always, you put that line right below you. No matter how bad you are, you can find a way to put that line right below you, right? The gospel says, no, 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 you're not a good person. You're, you're a horrible person. Because the line is God himself, right? So, so if the standard is the perfect holiness and righteousness of God, that's a good person, right? The rich, rich young ruler said to Jesus, 
good teacher, tell me, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, why do you call me good? Nobody's good but God. Jesus was good, right? He, he, he understood that he was God's. But the point is, that's the standard. Nobody meets the standard. There's no good people, right? They're difficult words. Well, the discipleship scriptures are dis- difficult words too. You're not worthy of me unless. You're not worthy of me unless. You're not worthy unless you hate, unless you deny, unless you give up everything that you own. You can't be my disciple. Salt that loses its saltiness is good for nothing. I mean, those are tough words for people to hear. They're tough words for us to hear, Amen. right? But there's grace. What God's looking for is the heart that's turned towards him. And then the behavior will follow the heart. And then the grace will feed the heart to feed the behavior if the heart is turned towards God. But the, the thing is that it is a hard conversation to have. And, and people, um, me, everybody that, that, that has an ear towards their flesh is not going to want to hear this as being the truth. But it is the truth. The new man, right, the born-again guy, he loves this talk. He's like, yeah, because I could walk in holiness because I'm not a slave to sin anymore. It has no grip over me. I'm not under the law. The power of sin has been taken away because I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. I'm under the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I can walk in holiness and righteousness of the truth, and the Lord will then empower me and grace will flow through me. I can glorify God through the power of the Holy Spirit inside. I mean, that's how the new guy sees that, right? The old guy's like, I just want the donut, right? But you can't have the donut. You got to say no to the donut, except for next Saturday because of some kind of transubstantiation or I don't know what. Okay, sorry, I digress. 62, what then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Well, I should have saved that whole thing till now. The flesh profits nothing. When we serve the flesh, there is no profit. There's zero profit. When you eat the donut, I hate to say it, you feel full, but you have profited your body nothing. And the same is true. It's the Spirit. He who lives by the Spirit should then walk by the Spirit. It's the Spirit that brings life. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. It's his words. That's what his flesh and his blood is. That's what we consume. We eat from the table of the teaching of Jesus Christ, of, of the wisdom of the scriptures, and they bring life to us. Okay, skip forward now to verse 66. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord... To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So I think that there are many, many people in churches today that are there every Sunday, but they've walked away from Jesus. And they don't even know it. They're not even aware of it. They, they have a righteousness that they perceive, but they don't have Jesus. Their hearts have become hardened. They have excuses for their lifestyle. And, and, and once you get hard to the place that you can't even feel conviction, you don't need excuses anymore because you don't even feel conviction. That's Romans chapter 1 or 2 where, where Paul talks about God turning them over to a reprobate mind. He's taken their conscience away from them. He's given them over to what they want. Now they're never going to get right because he's not drawing back on them to have them to feel any sense of conviction towards 
the lifestyle that they're choosing. Peter says, you have words of eternal life. And notice the sequence of what he says next. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The coming to know happens after the step of faith. I mean, it's not like you have to just make a blind decision. We talked about that. We have very well-informed faith. We have uh, the scriptures that, that speak to truth. We have prophecies. We have the the prophecies of the Messiah. We have the, the coming of the Messiah. We have all of this fulfilled. We have the resurrected Messiah. When we talk about Christian faith, it's very well informed. But you come to know once you make the profession of faith. Never ever healed anybody before I was a Christian. Wasn't even a thought to try. But I've seen God heal tons of people at the end of my arm since then. So faith almost comes before believing, you know, like seeing at least, coming to know. The words of eternal life, just a few characteristics, are living and active. We heard that, right? They're, they're life. They're, they're living and they're active. They cut and separate truth from deception. The, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. I mean, there's no... It doesn't leave a middle part. That blade is so sharp when it cuts, there's truth and there's error, but there's no gray area in between because it cuts right through the whole thing and it makes clear which is which. The words of eternal life are spirit and life, and the words of eternal life must be consumed. Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. So... If we are not willing to abide in his word, have his word abide in us, then we are just can't be disciples. And I think in two weeks I'm going to get to the um, Luke chapter 14 discipleship. That's what I thought I was going to do today until all this came up, Till I heard Steve's phone ring and I had to write a whole new sermon <laughs> where he talks about count the cost. And, and he says about salt losing its saltiness. I mean, it, if you start to see the threads that go through all these scriptures, it's a pretty powerful message. Jesus said to them, and I, this is something that, you know, I, I, I don't think I struggle with having an understanding of God's love. I really don't. But I'm not the projector so much. That's why um, when we get to the three, three different labels, we see disciple, we see saint, and we see son or daughter. Um, I'm going to feel pretty comfortable speaking to disciple and saint. I'm going to let Laura Anderson speak to son or daughter because she's really well steeped in, in understanding that and communicating. I mean, when I talk to her, she just, she just exudes an understanding of how much she's loved by the Father. But Jesus never minced words. He never minced words. The rich young ruler said, how may I inherit eternal life? And he said, well, keep the law. He said, I've done that. He said, well, one little place you're missing. Take everything that you have, sell it, give the proceeds to the poor, come follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven. The guy's like, yeah, I'm not willing to do that. Jesus loved him a lot, as much as he loves anybody. Much as he loves Mother Teresa, he loved the rich young ruler. 
He didn't say, well, hang on just a minute, rich young ruler. How about maybe half? I mean, let's just meet in the middle. You sell half, give it to the poor. Still, the poor is going to get a lot. You can keep some, and then you can be my disciple. I'll be your Lord, and you can go to heaven. Then you can have eternal life. He didn't. He just watched him walk away. Jesus forced the disciples to confront his standard. He never softened it to add sheep to his flock. You see it right here. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. They're like, well, that's gross. Who can do that? He didn't expound upon it. Well, I don't think you're hearing me just right. He, he was putting the sword down. He's saying, okay, what's it going to be? Well, I don't really understand what that means, but you're the guy with the words of eternal life. I'm not going anywhere. Or that's too much for me, and they departed from him, right? He never, ever softened the message so that he could add to the church because unless they actually count the cost and actually choose to be disciples, guess what? They're just warming chairs. They're not the church. So let me just finish with this scripture. It's Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Sounds like he ran into Peter's long-lost twin. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What's he telling that guy? Count the cost before you follow me. Listen, you follow me, you're going to follow me to a place where you have no pillow for your head, you have no nest to sleep in. You know, the birds have a better setup than the Son of Man does. My mission says that I got to do what I got to do based upon whatever the circumstances look like. Are you prepared to do that? He goes on to say this. And he said to another, follow me. So now Jesus says to him, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he, Jesus, said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Wow. That's pretty harsh. Now, there's some, some, some broader interpretation to what they think that guy was trying to say. But at the end of the day, Jesus was like, listen, let the dead bury their dead. But he's my dad. I understand that. He's dead. You go proclaim the kingdom. Don't turn back. And then finally, another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. I just want to go say goodbye. There's no time for goodbye. You go proclaim the kingdom. Don't, once you put your hand to that plow, you can't turn back. You've got to go. What's he saying? Count the cost, count the cost, count the cost. Don't even start if you don't think you're going to finish. If, if these are the kind of things that are concerning you, like burying your dad, saying goodbye to your people, you're probably not going to be able to finish the race as my disciple. Those are pretty hard words. But those are the words of Jesus. He never takes them back because that's the truth of being a disciple. So then let me just give you some instruction. We're going to start our worship time. Worship God. Praise God. Thank God. He wouldn't tell us these things. These standards wouldn't be the standards if there could be different standards. It's just the way that it is. He's laid it out to us clearly. We should praise him, especially when we think about, Lord, how in the world am I ever, ever going to be able to be your disciple? All he's asking you to do is surrender. Count the cost. Say, I'll do it, Lord. Surrender. And guess what happens next? Grace. Because in our humility comes his grace, and we actually can walk out 
the tough call of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. So worship the Lord, praise the Lord, and then find somebody to pray with you. Find somebody to pray over. Get two or three together and hold hands and say, Lord, man, if there's any part where my heart that's hard or calloused over, if there's things in my life, if Led Zeppelin is playing on my phone, I mean, whatever, I joke about that, but it's not a, it's not a nothing thing. If, if, it, if it's true that we should cleanse ourselves of all defilement and anything of the world is defiling to us, then Led Zeppelin's not nothing, it's something. It matters. And, and seek the Lord's counsel. Lord, is there anything I need to repent of? And when he shows you, confess it, because that's humility. Don't say, well, Lord, I don't, you know, that, no, I don't think you got that one just right. No, no, there's nothing that he doesn't have just right. Confess it and ask for the grace to repent, and you'll have it. And then pray for the one that's praying for you, and then pray for the other one that's praying for you, and start pressing into this. And then we're going to continue to see more and more of the glory of God that's going to come, not just for the sake. I mean, I have to be honest. The glory of God, I, I like it just for itself, but it has purpose beyond just wow. It has a purpose because we are in covenant with the God of the universe, and, and for us, as his body has been purchased, the forgiveness of our sins, the healing of our bodies, and the wholeness of our souls, shalom, for us. Jesus bought it. We dang well ought to have it. And then the second thing is so that the world can see Jesus' body, the church, as a city on a hill that shines brightly. It'll be those things that nobody can argue with, that people will come and they'll have, I'm thinking honestly, pretty soon Wednesday nights are going to be healing services. That people are going to invite people. You're going to invite people. They're going to come. We're going to pray for them. They're going to get healed and they're going to tell people and we're going to share the gospel. We're going to share the gospel. See, that gives us an opportunity to share the gospel. You bought the lady breakfast, an opportunity, an opportunity, an opportunity. But it doesn't going to happen if we won't cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. If we just are disobedient, apathetic, apatheia, if we're apathetic, like, well, you know, forgive me, Shannon. If God wants to, he will. He does want to. He does want to. He's looking for some place where the rest of the body is willing to surrender to his call so that he will through them. He wants to heal the sick. He wants to glorify his son. The whole reason the Holy Spirit came is to glorify Jesus. Remind us of the words that he said so that we can then go out and represent King Jesus to this world that needs to know him. All right. Thank you. Father God, oh. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I, I thank you that it, it's not a dull-edged sword that makes us wonder you know, is there something that got squashed in the middle when you put the sword down that it makes a clean cut, a clean cut between truth and error, right and wrong? I thank you that you've given us your spirit that will lead us to all truth, that no man has to teach us because you can lead us to all truth through your wonderful spirit. And I pray, Lord, that any dullness that would be in any of our hearts, least not the least of which my own, Lord, would come off and that we would be sensitive to the truth that your word teaches us, and that we would uh, come and confront those places that need to be dealt with. We would humble ourselves before you in that confrontation, and that your grace will come and enable us to be repentant, such that your grace can then flow through us in such a way 
that you be glorified before all of mankind and that your church will be glorified, a big, beautiful city on a hill, and that people will come to know you and be blessed and that we will fulfill what it is you've called us to do by being and making disciples in all of this world. Lord, I also thank you for the offering today and I ask your blessing on it. We ask that you would um, multiply it like you did the fishes of the lo- fishes and the loaves, and that you would help us to spend it exactly how you would have it spent, that your purposes be met through that.